Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, welcome to the second week of Advent. Welcome to the second week of Advent. Yeah. Start your shopping and everything. How's that? Everything going well? Christmas parties, getting excited. It's palpable, right? You can start to feel it. You're driving places. You're hearing the Christmas music everywhere. You're starting to get into the, the mood of the season a little bit more. Well, I hope so. No pressure on weeks like this. I've said this before, but it's always funny as I'm, uh, I'm sitting here. I knew this, but there's always a little more pressure when you have a Hill House week, right? It, there is. I don't care what you Well, you wouldn't know, but any speaker will tell you there is a little more pressure. You, you better bring it on those weeks, right? You have a clunker. And I don't know, you're going to probably go off on tangential topics right, in your hill house. So hopefully um, you get something out of this today. I had a lot of fun putting this together. Uh, our real Christmas service is the 18th. We will have a Christmas Eve service. Uh, it'll be an abbreviated service. Uh, but I kind of weighed, I, I vacillated, I went back and forth between this message and one that I obviously now I'm going to be sharing on the 18th. So I, I have a lot of fun every Advent. I try to come up with a couple of messages that are a little bit different, try to be a little creative and have fun because it's a retelling of a story that many of you can get old and, and tired, right? How many of you are with me? I've heard this story a thousand times. So trying to do that. Lord, I just ask as we get into your word this morning. Father, I ask that you would just bring newness. Lord, again, as I said last week, I ask for a freshness to the whole Christmas nativity story. Lord, I ask that our eyes would be opened and our hearts would be opened and our ears would be opened to hear what you have to say to your church. Lord, I thank you that this is the day that you have made. Lord, we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we are going to celebrate the goodness of the coming of the King. Lord, we are going to rejoice in that light is ultimately coming in and invading darkness. Every single where the place that we see darkness on this planet, I thank you that your light ultimately one day will invade. I thank you ultimately, Lord, that we know the end of the story. We know that you ultimately will win in this story. And at times it looks like you aren't around or you don't care. But Lord, I, I know and I thank you that you still are there in the midst. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you enjoy power failures? Anybody you enjoy power failures? Anybody you enjoy when the power goes out? All right, maybe for a little while, but at night, you know, maybe during the day you can handle things. Then at night, eh, maybe for a little while you have some fun, you talk to your kid, you talk to your spouse, but you have no technological, you know, you have none of your devices, you don't have your phone, maybe all these other things aren't around. It's really a tough time when you lose the light that you have that you're so accustomed to, you lose it, right? When the power goes out. Well, I came across a story. It's a preface to a, a great story I came across. Um, this comes to us from a place called Rukin, Norway. Uh, how many of you have been to Norway? I've never been to Norway before. I know my uncle has. A couple of you, Jeff, you have. So have you ever been to Rukin? Did you ever hear of a place called Rukin? It's a small little village. Let me show you a picture here on the, on the PowerPoint. Uh, it's a deep river valley village. It was founded maybe a, a century ago. And what's really wild, I want you to see, do you see how the mountains slope up there, right, on the side? 
Well, what's so fascinating about this town is from September moving forward until March, guess what? They have no light. There is, yes, this is true. You can go look this up. There is no light in Rukin, Norway. None. For six months, the sun, the only way you can make forays up to, there's a cable car company, you can make your way all the way up to the top and you can see the sunlight. Again, six months out of the year and people live there. Well, for many years, there's this guy, and again, you can look this up on your own. I'm just giving a simple illustration here to get us into where we're going. But it's wild that this guy's had these plans for a couple of years. And last year, this is what they installed. It cost them a couple of million dollars. These three mirrors that absorb all of the sunlight, and they reflect the sunlight down to these people in Rukin, Norway which is just a little bit west of Oslo, right? So the sunlight, it does not permeate all of Rukin, this whole area. But on Main Street, in the town square, you can see the light that is there and people will congregate there. They have benches there for people. When this first happened last year, people were sunbathing. It was not warm outside. People had their sunglasses on. They had their shirts off and they were basking in the sun. People are playing volleyball. Pretty wild, right? It's really happened. They really did this. So for these people that have known only darkness for the six months out of the year, they're invaded by incredible light. This is the story. And you knew where I was. This is the story of Advent, that the light of the world is coming to invade the darkness. And 2000 years ago, there was a king. Maybe you heard of him. His name was Herod and he was sitting on a throne and he thought he was the king of kings and he thought he was the Lord of lords. And as he was sleeping in his palatial palace, there was a real king that was being born in a manger. And there was a battle that was taking place between light and darkness. But ultimately the light prevailed and the light of the world came shining through. That's the good news of Advent. That's the good news of this coming Christmas. And, you know, it's interesting. The prophet Isaiah, he never knew a Norwegian winter, right? He didn't know anything about a Norwegian winter. But he understood this concept of light invading darkness. Let me just, we're going to bounce around a little bit today. But this is what the prophet said in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And looking at the coming King, Christ the Messiah coming. In that time, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have to see and understand, this is the human condition, friends. The human condition is, we as a people, we walk in darkness. How many of us, you know that, we walk in darkness. That we're fooled. At times we can be ignorant. We can be deluded. We can be totally deceived. We stumble around in darkness. And this is the human condition. One of my favorite studies, this was done at Harvard. And it was hard because last night, how many of you get into TED Talks? You know what TED Talks are? 
As opposed to, instead of watching a TV show, if you have like Apple TV, there's this like the, its own channel, the TED channel. And you can, I'm totally digressing here, but really interesting. You can watch all of these really cool speakers come on, you know, the foremost names. And I, I get into the psychology stuff and the sociological stuff, but they come on and there was some amazing studies, but th- that's not for now. But anyway, there was a study from Harvard University, get this. And they asked people, they gave them two options. Option A was... You can make 50,000, let me get it exactly right. You can make $50,000 a year and everybody else makes $25,000. That was option A. And option B was you can make $100,000 a year, but everybody else makes $200,000. Guess what? Over 80% of the people, they chose option A. They said, I'd rather take a 50% pay cut and feel superior to other people. Isn't that amazing? That's the story of the human heart. There is darkness in our hearts and we move around and we stumble. And there are things, there is deception inside of us. And a lot of times we don't really see it, right? We walk around in the dark. Doesn't matter who you are, I think all of us in here, and there are times that I can give in to fear, but I can pretend that I'm really brave. Uh, I'm afraid of what a, a conversation, maybe a difficult conversation that I'm supposed to have, but I'm afraid of the consequences. I'm afraid of what somebody might, might say. I'm afraid of how somebody might react. And there are so many times that I stumble around in the darkness. And I think for many of us in here, I think you can absolutely relate to that. And I don't know, maybe your life is going well. Maybe things are really going well. But look at this in, in, in John, what John says. John says in 319, right after the famous 316, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And when men love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were indeed evil. Someone has said, Henry Nouwen said it. He said, the reason we don't run to God is we don't know how much trouble we're in. Isn't that good? Come on, friends. We walk in the valley of the shadow of death and the fear of darkness. It's everywhere. And I don't know if you haven't experienced it, you will at some point. Somebody that you're with for 30, 40, 50 years, suddenly they're gone. They're gone. They're out of the story. Somebody that you love, somebody that you thought would never let you down has betrayed you. Somebody has deceived you. I I can't even begin to tell you. I had a rough week and just thinking about as a pastor's kid, I don't know why, but certain times you just get bombarded and I got hit. The enemy was hitting me with people from like years ago and it just kept going all week. And I would think of people that were here and they were gone and the people that got offended. Friends, let me, can I just say this and interject this into the sermon? Listen to me. There is no perfect church. There are no perfect people. I just gave you stories about myself. My parents can tell you their own stories. We're not perfect, but we're people that love God. I love God. And you know what? We're not perfect, but sometimes, and there are other, no one in here is. And I think sometimes when something happens, people go, man, I'm out of here. And I want to, you know, your problems are just going to follow you wherever you go. The same problems that you have here, somebody's going to offend you in another place. There are good reasons why people leave churches. Don't get me wrong. If your theology, your doctrine's different, of course you're going to leave. There are good reasons. You move some. I get that. But when it's people are just offended for the, such silly reasons, it doesn't make any sense. And I kind of feel bad for them because I go, you know what? You're just going to wind up with similar issues in another place. And then two years from now, you're going to say the same thing and want to go somewhere else. It's hard. And you're hearing a pastor's heart there in, in, in watching that. How many of you, when you were young, you were afraid of the dark? Anybody, you were afraid of the dark? Maybe you're an adult, you're still afraid of the dark. 
Can I give you a little more information about myself? And uh, when I was a kid, um, I was deathly afraid, of, really afraid of the dark. And my parents, let's listen to this. They cut my bedroom door in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. Did you ever have friends that came over and they went in your bedroom and you play in your bedroom and they're like, dude, what's up with your door? What you don't? You're, wait, you don't have a door that's cut in half too? You, you, I'm looking at you. All had a door that was cut in half, right? I had the door until I was like in high school. They like changed it. It was a little awkward after a while, but you know what my favorite time of the year was? My favorite time of the year was Christmas. You know why Christmas was my favorite time of the year? Because there were lights in every room. So the light would always invade the darkness. My mom would always have the candles up, right? Right now in your homes, right? There are, there are candles and there are lights everywhere. So if I was scared, I could walk in from one room to the next. And the light that was in that room, that would really kind of help me. And what's really interesting too is that now I have a kid, seven, he all, every, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of the dark. And some of your parents, right? You know exactly what that's like. That's tough. So a couple of years ago, all right, this is a little risk for the sermon, but I'm going to do it. A couple of years ago, I got this book, and I don't know how many of you have ever heard of this book before. It's called Can't You Sleep, Little Bear? Anybody, you're familiar with this book? Oh, all right, so I, I tried to start reading it to my son again. It, you can tell how successful I've been because we're still having issues with the dark. But this book was really fascinating to me. And the story goes, there's an adult bear and there's this, his cub bear, right? The baby bear. And during the day, they go out and they frolic and they play outside of the cave and life is beautiful. But then at night when they come in their little cave, right? Their, their, their little place where they're going to escond for the night, right? They're hanging out there. And it's interesting, the little bear, big bear, puts little bear into sleep. But little bear can't sleep because little bear is afraid of the dark. And here are some of the moments that you see here. Big bear comes over to little bear and he says, he says these words. Can't you sleep, little bear? And little bear says, no, I'm scared. So big bear says, why are you scared? Little bear says, because of the dark. Big bear says, what dark? Little bear says, the dark that's all around us. Big bear notices that there are corners in the cave that are still dark. So he gets out a tiny little lantern, right? And then he says, he says, now you can sleep. Now there is light. And little bear says, Thank you, Big Bear. But of course, Little Bear still can't sleep and he tosses and he turns. And then Big Bear, he tries a bigger lantern, right? So he comes in with this big lantern. He brings out the biggest lantern of all, but still Little Bear cannot sleep. He tosses and turns. And then for a fourth time, they have that same conversation, right? Can you, can't you sleep, Little Bear? And Little Bear says, no, I can't because of the dark. Big Bear says, it's all light in here. And then Little Bear says, I know, but it's all dark out there. He points outside the cave. Big Bear picks up Little Bear and he says, let's go out then into the darkness. Little Bear says, but I'm afraid of the dark. And here's the best part, right? Big Bear says to him, you don't have to be afraid, little bear, because I've brought you the bright yellow moon and all the twinkling little stars. But little bear didn't hear him because he died of fright. <laughs> oh. It's terrible. <laughs> so bad. I did write that one into my sermon. Listen, I do it all the time. I'm sorry. As a teacher in school, I'll read stories just to make sure the kids are awake. 
And I'll, like this week, I'm teaching the Civil War, and I'll just insert stuff. And some of the kids are like, wait, like what? Like that really just happened? And I do it with my own kids. So I had to do it with you as well. I'm sorry. But no, Little Bear, Little Bear does fall asleep. But here's the interesting, here's the point. Why, am I, why did I show you this? Why did I spend the time to take pictures out of it? This took a while to take all these pictures out. And which one pages should I actually use? And here's the interesting part of the story. You see, Little Bear didn't fall asleep because of all the twinkly stars and the bright moon. Little Bear fell asleep because he felt safe in his dad's arms. Do you see that? What an illustration, I think, for us when we have issues and we have problems. It's an amazing story because you have to understand Christ came into the world. God saw that we were stumbling around in the dark and he doesn't send a rebuke or a warning. He does not send a religion. He does not send an idea. He sends himself. Sends himself. Can you give me another religion? Give me another world religion. Did did Buddha do anything like this? Did Confucius do anything like this? Did Muhammad do anything like this? Give me another world religion where there is a God who says, "I'm I'm not so far away from you that you can't touch me and you can't understand me. Do you realize when Jesus came into the world, God was showing us that I can relate to who you are. You can relate to me in situations because my son came into the world and lived a life just like us, real human flesh. And Jesus came and he walked around and there was a woman, she was a witch, she lost her, she lost her uh, son. And Jesus takes her hand and says, don't cry. Another time, what does he do? He goes around and he does the same thing. He goes from place to place and he's raising the dead. He's doing all these things. The little girl, Talitha Kum, get up, honey, get up. It's time to get up. Jesus came into, he was the light of the world. He was showing us something. So that's the first image that I really want us to see. There is light for us this Christmas. And maybe it is. Can I just say, maybe there is, because I feel it so much in the conversations I have with people. Maybe there's a secret that you have and you're like, you know what? You're like little bear that you're afraid of the dark because you're afraid of what's inside your heart. And maybe there's a secret. Maybe there's something there that no one knows about. Maybe you're killing, you're judging yourself. You're beating yourself up for something that happened in the past. I would say to you this Christmas, Jesus came to bring light into the dark situations in your life. I would say to you, if you feel like you're, you're crushed in debt, he can bring light and bring help to your situation. I don't know if you have a family issue, if there's a, a divorce that may be brewing and you're living with somebody and you don't know how you're going to make it through. I would say he can bring light into the darkness. I would say in any situation, maybe you have a child that's wayward and maybe they're out there and they're doing things that are breaking your heart. I would say darkness can can flee because of the light that God can bring in your situation. Maybe you're in a hole of depression. Maybe you're in a place right now and it was hard for you to get out of bed this morning and you're here and you're like, man, I'm just glad I'm here today. Can you give me some food? Well, I would say to you, he knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows your situation and he wants to bring light to it this Christmas because that's who he is and that's what he does he says here in in, uh, oh there's the last uh, he says in 812 right I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life do we believe that 
that when we follow this one Jesus, that we can have that kind of life. There is hope for us this Christmas. And you go back to Isaiah. We, we started there in the beginning. Look what Isaiah says in 35. Now, this is, I'm giving you three images, and I'm finishing this up on the 18th. And the first image I gave us is light invades darkness, right? Light invades, dark, invades darkness. Number two is, right, there's water in the desert. There's rain. There's real water in the desert. And Isaiah says this, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus one day. It's going to burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Do you understand when you read a passage like this, the children of Israel understood what it was like. We were there last year. Desert, desert, arid land. These people understood what it meant to be thirsty. They understood what it meant to be parched. They understood what it meant to be dry. So Isaiah says that, and then moving down to verses 6 and 7, he says, look at this, water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert, and the burning sand will become a pool, and the thirsty ground one day will be filled with bubbling springs. He goes on, he says in Psalm 42, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is our condition. This is our heart. He says, and just one more, Psalm 63, 1. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. The problem is it's Christmas time. We live in Mortopia. Buy more things. Get more of this from the time that we're young, right? It's achieve. It's climb the ladder of success. If you're a high school or college kid, it's make honor roll. Make the dean's list. Succeed. We get older. Get the promotion. Get the house. Get this. More, more, more. And we see so many people that are thirsty. Parched. Why is it, friends, that so many of us, why is it such a battle just to get out of bed and come to church in the morning? Because there's a battle. And because so many times, let's call it like it is, we're chasing things that are not going to ultimately satisfy us. I watched last night, Megan and I have said this, we love documentaries and we saw one and it was, it was so moving and it was quite sad. But there was some really poignant parts with, uh, what's his name, uh, the actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman who tragically passed a couple of years ago. And it went through the, the guy's whole life story. And it, what was so telling to me was, he said, I only wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to have fame. I never wanted to have fortune. He wanted to be anonymous his entire life once he really made it. And here is this guy, and, and you're listening to the person that is, that is you know, giving you all the details, and he continues to talk about how this guy is dry and he's parched and he's looking everywhere for something that will ultimately satisfy. And I wanted to yell at the TV screen with everything that was in me and my soul because I know what can truly satisfy. And it's not because I'm some real wise sage. It's because I know what the Bible says. And I know just by looking at stories out in the world of people that have tried time and time again to find what the world can give them and they come and they say it's not giving me what I thought it would give me there was a study too in another TED talk I saw and they asked millennials what do you want what is your number one goal in life right what is your number one goal you know what they said you know I think it was like almost 90 percent number one goal make a lot of money and it was a secular psychologist, and he talked about what was so important. Again, this is not a Christian psychologist from a secular source. And he went on and on to show with stats and studies about how that doesn't lead to a meaningful life. 
They did a study, Harvard, there's a study that's been going on for 75 years, friends. 75 years, they have followed generations of people and the decisions that they've made. Fascinating results from that. It's the breadth and width of our relationships. Coming from the secular world, those people that are lonely. I know Christmas can be a lonely time. This is a time to get into community. This is a time to get together. There's a small group this week. Don't miss it. Yes, you're going to be tired on Wednesday night. You're going to go to work and you're going to, everything within you is going to say, you know what? Just sit back. You don't think there's going to be an attack on you? There is going to be an attack on you to get to a meeting this Wednesday night. How will you react to the situation? Will you just capitulate and give in and say, you know what? It's really the busiest time of the year and I'm tired. I'm just going to go to sleep. This is survival. We won't make it. We'll just continue to be dry and parched. And we wonder why I come to church for two hours every week. But how come there's still this gaping hole in my soul? How come there's this hole in my heart? How come I'm still not satisfied? And I would say because we're going down the wrong roads and we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We know that can give us life. It's the human condition, friends. And so many of us were just, I think we're just, how many of you are just bored? I'm just writing to myself, I'm going, I just think so many Christians are bored. There was a reveal study at Willow Creek. I, I, listen, I just give you the truth. I'm not sugarcoating anything. I say it like it is. I, you know, and I, I listen to people on TV sometimes, and I listen, and I'm like, yeah, that would be nice if you spoke to 5,000 people because you can't say some of these things, right? It's kind of nice to speak in a small church and just kind of say the way, what you really feel and how it really is instead of just having a, a smile plastered on my face and pretending that this is not reality and what we're talking about. This is real. And for many of us, there are hobbies and there are things that are out there, and you know what? They're inane in my... I look at myself, how much time I waste on stultifying, silly things that don't ultimately satisfy and then why i'm running around why i don't have deep soul rest is because how i'm leading my life it's nobody else's fault it's my fault don't blame the world don't we need to look in the mirror and say what am i how am i prioritizing my life what are the big rocks am i putting the big rocks in first will we do that and I love this. And look what Jesus says. Look at, this is what Jesus offers us. On the last day, I, would lo- I have to teach on this at some point because you can't understand the history that is in the, this passage right here. will blow your mind. I've never preached a sermon on it, but I know a lot of the history behind it of the festival that is taking place. And when you get to the culmination, one of those, ah, like you're just like, oh my gosh, is that really what he said? Is that really what he meant? Yes. I don't have time to go into it now, but on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, he is, this is loud. This is not Jesus going, if anyone thirsts, just come to me and you'll have rivers of living water. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. This is a raucous crowd. There are people everywhere. This is a celebration. This is a feast. When he says these words in front of thousands of people, People marvel at it. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water, not stagnant water. Real living water that can satisfy our souls. The water that we need. The water that we're looking for. And you know, here's the last image. So first one was light invading darkness. The second one, rain or water right? In the desert. And number three, there's a shelter in the storm. 
Three images. And next week, uh, two weeks from now, I'm going to be finishing up with the last one. That's going to be a whole sermon. And here it is, Psalm 55. Look what he says. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Well, here he is, the psalmist is saying this, and this too is the story of the human condition, that we could fly away sometimes when we look at our problems. I read a great story from a child psychologist. It's about this four-year-old kid, and the kid is getting, he's just having a rough day, right? Kid's getting in trouble, he's breaking things, he's moving things, being where he's not supposed to be, and his mom is so just frustrated with the kid, right? And then she finds the kid, he's in the living room, right? And he's at the picture window, and he's behind the curtain, and he's just staring out the window, and he's kind of mumbling. And the mom's like, what is this kid saying? So she kind of like tippy-toes, and she sneaks up behind him. And she hears the four-year-old kid looking out the window say, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I looked at that story, and I said, oh, my gosh, that is the story of the human condition, that we look sometimes at this world and say, I got to get out of here. Because we have so many problems and things that we face. We have bills that need to be met, right? Relationships that maybe are strained, things that are at our job, things at church. Everywhere we look, there are things that need to be done. And you know, how many of you are familiar with The Wizard of Oz? Did I ever tell you I was the lion in the fifth grade show? I did tell you that. I killed it in that show. Killed it. Killed it. Last time I ever acted, I think in a, in a, in a show, it says a lot. So uh, in The Wizard of Oz, I love that. Oh, that I had wings of a dove that I could fly away and escape. And there's a song, you know it, from The Wizard of Oz. Somewhere over the, I wish my niece was here. She loves this song. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I've heard of once in a lullaby. My favorite part, where troubles melt like lemon. You know this song too, like lemon drops. Birds fly over the rainbow. Oh, that I had wings of a dove. How many of us could be be real this morning? You could be real and you can say, you know what? There is a situation that I'm in right now and I want to run. I want to run. And you know what the world tells us to run to where so many people do? When I watched it again in that documentary last night, it's either, you know, we can run to drugs. We can run to alcohol. We can run to websites. We can run to all different places. But when we realize the pattern and that we get, make those decisions, there's more pain behind that initial decision. There's more pain that's there. And I would say for us, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, we have to realize there's a shelter in the storm and there's a God who cares. There's a God who said, I'll send my son and he's going to go to a cross. He could have called down 10,000 angels. He didn't have to do it, but he decides to do it because he sees us and he says, you know what? I'm going to provide. I'm going to be your wings. I'm going to take you under the shadow of my wing and you can be protected and you can be secure. And that's the story of Christmas too this year. There is light that invades darkness, right? There is water that comes into the desert so you're not parched. And there is a shelter, friends, in the storm for Christmas 2016, this Advent. I don't know what you're going through, but I know who he is in the midst of our storms, But we have to make time for it and space. Can I ask you, can I implore you that you, between now and Christmas, would you make some time for him? Because it's not just going to happen. This is not just going to happen. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and go, oh, it's, I, I guess I'm ready for this. We have to be intentional. We say that word all the time here at City on a Hill. We have to be intentional to make space. 
And let me just kind of end with a, a little story that um, I, I think kind of shows this. I had a moment uh, l- last week when we were putting up the Christmas tree. How many of you enjoy that too, by the way? Just putting up that Christmas tree. Hate taking everything down, but putting it up. By the way, I'm digressing, but there was a, uh, a family and they were in Texas. They have the Guinness Book of World Records. They have over 600,000 lights on their property, like a couple of acres. There's a couple in Australia. They battle every year. They battle. Who has more lights? Guinness World Record. They keep going back and forth. So this crazy couple in Texas, how, what is that like at the end of the season when they have to take all these? They say it takes three months to put all the lights up. You heard me. Three months. So that's fun. I'm going to take three months of my life and take down Christmas lights. No, thank you. But there I was and, and you know, had the Christmas music on and, and Megan went to bed and she was tired and we had done the bottom part of the tree and I had to do the top part of the tree and get on the chair. And just as I had the music playing and the kids were asleep, I just kind of sat there and it was like one of those amazing moments when I looked at like some of the old ornaments. You ever do that? And just kind of look at these old ornaments from your kids and my kids are younger, but, or even things from earlier on in our marriage. And I sat there and it was just one of the music team. You can come up by the way. And it was just one of those special moments where I'm just pulling them all out and I'm kind of putting them on the tree. And I just, it just kind of happened where I was making space for God. And I just started to talk to God. And it was, again, this is nothing, it wasn't anything heroic. But I just started to talk to God. And I said, God, you know what? I'm just so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful for this house. I live in the house that I grew up in. And I absolutely love it. And all these memories flooded my mind of times when I was young in the same house and growing up for Christmas. And I just thought about my kids. And I said, Lord, just Fill them, Lord. All I care about is that they love you. I don't care if they're preachers. I just want them to love you and have a real relationship with you. And I said, Lord, just fill them. I said it about Megan. I'm just going on and on. It's Lord, I'm so thankful that I just get to breathe in air. Just simple stuff as I'm sitting there and I'm crying. I'm listening to the music. And I said, this is what it's all about. Just making room at Christmas. We don't make room. We're so busy. First on the list here. So to have a moment to sit there and really touch God in something that seems so seemingly trivial and just ordinary. It was so meaningful. It was so impactful. It was so filling for me. Because I realized that all the fear and all my problems and all my cares and all my concerns dissipated when I was in the presence of God. Friends, you start to worship. When we have music playing, worship is much more than just singing songs. But why don't you put some music on in your car? Whatever your situation is, just start praising Him. Just start worshiping Him. Just start crying out to Him. Why are we so behaved? Why do we feel like we have to do things a certain way? Why can't we just open up our mouths and tell Him how we feel and say, Lord, you are indeed in control. Lord, I thank you for your gifts. We need to have an attitude of gratitude even though Thanksgiving is over. Where is that, friends? Stop trying to do everything so prim and proper. Stop trying to tell him exactly what you think he wants to hear. He wants to hear your heart. Where is your heart at this Christmas? Pour out your heart to him. He will not let you down. Those cares that you came in with today, those problems that you have, you pray to him and you realize he is your shelter in the storm. You feel empty as you come up to the table this morning. You ask him to fill you. Lord, I ask right now, Lord, I ask for your power to invade this place, Lord. 
Lord, may you move, Spirit of the living God. May you move and breathe and have your way in this place. Lord, thaw out cold hearts. Lord, you are the balm of Gilead. Warm and heal hurt, wounded, broken hearts. Lord, may this be a Christmas where your light invades homes and situations. Lord, may you be the focal point of every Christmas in every home in this place. Lord, the gifts are wonderful, but may we as parents talk about the greatest gift that was ever given in the history of the world. Lord, may that be the focal point. Lord, may we sit down and read our kids the nativity story. Lord, may we show them what really happened 2,000 years ago, that those people in Bethlehem were sleeping and they thought it was an ordinary night and no one was up, but the Savior of the world was being born and you would change things and you started a revolution that is still going today and it's not going to stop. Movements have tried to take you out. People have tried to take you out. Dictators have tried to tell people that they can't worship you. But you keep going and you keep moving and your light continues to invade because you are a shelter in the storm and you are the rock and you are our foundation. I don't care what the waves and the storms of life come your way this Christmas season. I know there is one that stills the storm. Be still. God would say over your storms right now, be still. It was crazy last night. I don't usually have dreams like this. It was such a wild dream because, and that, that I'm even sharing this with you. I woke up in the middle of the night, and again, I don't like, I don't, I, I don't, this doesn't usually happen, but I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was, I, I was here, and it was weird as I was just praying because in my dream, I was here and I was trying to speak, but I couldn't speak because I was so arrested by his power that I wasn't able to, like a Zachariah in the story when he couldn't speak and the angel closes his mouth and I tried to speak and I was so fearful because I felt his power and I felt his presence and I didn't know what to do when I woke up and I jumped up out of the bed and ever since that dream, I have not been the same, even going into talking about this this morning. Lord, I don't know what that dream meant, but that doesn't happen usually. Lord, I would just ask, Lord, as I saw in that dream, Lord, I really ask for an outpouring of your spirit right now. Father, I ask for real power to flow down from heaven. Lord, the bowls are full. Lord, revival is coming to America. Lord, revive our hearts. Your little flock here in the backside of nowhere in Middle Island, New York. Lord, do something in our midst. Father, may we have dreams and visions, the old and the young. Father, we don't just want, I don't want a traditional Christmas. I want this to be the most wonderful time of the year and the greatest Christmas ever because you pour out your spirit in a way that people have never seen before. Lord, that people would be healed of diseases. Lord, that marriages, people would reconcile. There is hope this Christmas. Bring hope, bring joy. Lord, I ask for real joy this Christmas. Where is the joy? I don't feel it. Father, fill us with joy. Fill us with celebration. Fill us with love for other people. Lord, may we be selfless this Christmas. May we look into the eyes of other people, people that are far, people that are lost. Lord, may we share who you are. 
Don't you want it? Don't you want the real thing? It's here. It's available for us. I don't know. So as you come to the table this morning, what are we singing, by the way? What is it? What is it? Wow. You know what, by the way? Can I tell you this too, what I'm going to be doing? On the Christmas Eve service, I've been studying songs. I'm going to do a series down the road in a future Advent, Songs of Christmas. And I've taken a lot of the songs that you know and love, and I wanted the background story. I'm going to give you the background story of Silent Night, and I'm going to try to do it in a creative way on the Christmas Eve service. It's not going to be long, but I think it's so powerful that we look at the stories that were written, the stories, the songs that were written, and the stories behind them. Do you realize that when you see the words on a screen, the pain and the trials and tribulations that many people went through to write those songs, these these songs come out of deep pain, the stories of their lives as they jump off the page. That's real and that's living. That's why I always say, you feel dry, you feel parched. You read a doctor, you read a biography too. You read somebody's life and you read about somebody that was in an utter state of depression, somebody that was down and out, how God used them, ordinary people. I'm crazy enough to believe God can use me. I'm crazy enough to believe it. I've made so many mistakes and I stumble around in the darkness. But you know what? Every single time I fall, I'm getting back up in the race. Every single time I fall, Satan, get behind me. I'm not listening to your lies. I'm moving ahead. He's going to take us out like I had all week. He's going to constantly feed us lies. They're from the pit of hell. If it's not something positive, you know it's not from the throne of God. He wants us to be deceived. He wants us to cower. You are a son and a daughter of the king. There are promises in his word for your life. I have to stop. I'm getting carried away. Lord, again, I'm praying again. I don't care. I'm breaking all the rules. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there are no rules. Lord, we just come humbly as a people this season. Lord, I want more than anything. The only gift I want is that people come to know you. Lord, there's so much religion out in the world. Every, everywhere you look, everything you hear, so much religion. Father, we just want the real deal, the real McCoy. God, I want you, Lord, all of us. Lord, I ask that you would wake us up, Father, to, as we leave tonight. tonight, Lord, I ask. That you would just impress things on our hearts, Lord. That you wouldn't let us just get away with walking out of another meeting and going, whatever, another church service, another advent, here today, gone tomorrow. Lord, our life is but a vapor. A vapor here today and gone tomorrow. The brevity of life, Lord, help us to take this one and only life seriously. Friends, this is the greatest day you'll ever have because this is the only day we have. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Why do we feel as if we're guaranteed tomorrow? Who are we? You have trials and tribulations? Join the club. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. It's how we respond to the difficult circumstances. You stay on your feet and you keep going because he is with you every step of the way. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.